0: bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Welcome. We're looking at fighting injustice and love. And these are two ideas that don't necessarily come in the same sentence very often. But we'll be looking at how Ibn Arabi talks about fighting injustice and what that has to do with love. We'll see that he's saying that without revelation, without sharia, without revelation, we would not know that the single wellspring is the divine and we would not know what God loves and does not love. The lover loves what the beloved loves. So taking all this together, we'll be studying the ayin wahda, the single wellspring. We'll look at what God loves. We'll look at what is opposite or matching to us. And we'll look at what we do for God's sake and what special arrangement that is. And I'll just... Check for a second. recording So in this slide, the second slide, where you've seen this picture before, you've seen this before, the two sisters helping each other across the river of life, and the bridge that goes from through this world to the garden, and how they negotiate this, this bridge, how they get across. Ibn Arabi is telling us that there's a mediation between what we see and what we think we are seeing, the interpretation of what we're seeing. He always says that the faculties, like the eyes, they never give error, they're never err; they never are wrong. They always give the correct data. But as with optical illusions, our brain, what he calls the Hakim, is the one that interprets the data that the eyes are giving. So just as with optical illusions, we have to, optical illusions help us realize that we're seeing information which we interpret and put together in a certain way. And the first thing that we are to understand here is the idea of pixels or points. So as with the painting of pointalism, the idea of making dots that tell us that, oh, when we see the painting, which we think we see this Sunday, a picnic on the Grand Jaté actually these are dots or pixels or points coming at us So even Arabi is saying that on that side on the divine side There's a single point a single wellspring and this single wellspring has many names many adjectives and many Verbs Let me make sure that this slide is displaying well for you okay there i think that works and on our side we're also a single point and this single point is a point that has many colors many variegations and many properties and these points are being illuminated or lit up every moment so they're on off on off on off very rapidly In the same way with the monitor, the monitor has a refresh rate. So the pixels are being refreshed at a high rate, at some rate that makes us think that we're seeing something that's continuous. And just like the old days, the movie with the film, as long as the frames are coming 15 frames per second, we perceive a continuous reality. So our brain is saying this is a continuous situation, and these what I'm looking at are solid beings. What Ibn Arabi is counseling us is to see that these aren't solid beings. These are points, all of them with colors and variations and properties, which we are interpreting to be solid beings. And they are coming at us in a rate that is so fast that it's flickering in and out. And so they are not continuously existent. They are flicking in and out of existence all the time. When I was studying this first with Ibn Arabi, I came across this article from the students of David Bohm, a very interesting physicist who talks about the implicate order. And so this idea of folding in, that things are implicated inside. Uh, Ibn Arabi talks a lot about the folds and how knowledge and reality is folded within itself. So these students wrote this article, are all particles the same particle? And that sounds very much like this Einwachter. So that is that down here, they have this question. There is then simply no fact in the world about what sort of particle there is at this point in physical space, only that there is a particle. This particle is not associated with any label, mass, charge, spin, flavor, or color. So, they're saying that reality are points which are clothed in different colors, variegations, and properties. And to understand this loosens us or releases us so that we can then liberates us so that we can see a very different world from the one that we are, our conventional world that we are given uh, to understand. So, let's look at this next slide. Let's look at nature-based love and divine spirit-based love. Now, this is a chapter on love that Ibn Arabi has, and we probably need to uh, go through it at one point. But for now, let's talk about nature-based love is when you love someone, they love you, you do good things for them, they do good things for you. Back and forth, positive. The more you do loving things, the more they do loving things. The more you love them, the more they love you. This is nature-based love. And uh, it's, uh, you know, the, uh, the love of the mother who gives. Um, Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says that we love and we are to love God for what God gives us, the nourishment that God gives us. So that's nature-based love. Now this nature-based love is, there's a distinction with divine and spirit-based love because divine love comes before there's something there to be loved. So God loves us before we are. And this is the verse, God will love them and they will love him. So God will love a people who have not yet been created, who have not yet come out. And then, so they are loved before they've even come out. So today we might call it unrequited love. Uh, It's the love or unconditional love. It's love that doesn't have a condition. It's not there because of something. So this is spirit-based love. So we'll need to understand spirit-based love as we go through this idea of fighting injustice. Now, this flicking in and out of existence, points, pixels uh, from the verse, whoever is in the heavens and the earth, ask of who? Every day, who is in a brilliant radiance? So this asking is we are all of us between heavens and the earth, all of us asking or in a sense demanding our being so we're, we we can we cannot exist by ourselves we cannot become by ourselves so we ask for existence we ask for being and everyone is asking for being at every moment and every day who is uh, giving a brilliant radiance to each pixel to each particle to each point ibn not, arabi notes that the shan here this brilliant radiance is in the singular so that means that every point is singularly, individually being lit up, given a radiance. And then another one is, and another one, and another one. Now, if you think want to know how many, how fast this is going, how, how fast this refresh rate is, we have to look at how many particles are being lit up at every moment. And this day, uh, Ibn Arabi says that the day's, go all the way from 50,000 days of uh, the the year the the day of the ascender is 50,000 years as you count and the day of the lord is 1,000 years as you count and the, this day is the smallest day the smallest quantum period of time if you have 24 candles in a room and you want them all lit up in one day one 24 hour day each candle is being lit up 1 over 24 of a day, one hour. So every hour you're lighting a candle, and after the end of 24 hours, you have 24 candles lit in one day. So this number, one over 24, that's what we're looking at. One over the total number of particles in the heavens and the earth. If this total number is 10 to the 43, then we have uh, a Planck second of one over 10 to the 43 second. Tiniest, tiniest, tiniest imaginable. Quantum, Farad, of Fard-Zaman, quantum piece of time. And so this is a refresh rate, so more than 15 frames per second. (laughs) This is uncountably for us, unimaginably big number of frames coming through every second. So no wonder they are in confusion about the new creation. So they are in confusion about the new creation, that every moment is a new reality, a new creation. So divine spirit-based love is the idea that we, that when you love something, not because it does things for you, but because you love that. And so we'll look at this divine kind of love. On this side, Ibn Arabi says, Learn, may God give you success, that love is a divine station. You see, he described himself with it, and he is called wadud, that is loving. And in the report, he is called a lover as he is beauty, a lover of the beautiful. And there is what God revealed to Moses in the Torah, O child of Adam, I am that I am. My right, I deserve, is for you to be one who loves. So by my right, incumbent on you, be one who loves me. And love has been cited in the Quran and the Sunnah with regard to God and with regard to the created beings. And he cited the kinds of beloveds based on their qualities. And he cited the qualities which God does not love. And he cited the kinds of people God does not love. Thus he said to his prophet as a command that he tell us, say, if you love God, then follow me, God will love you. And he said, "O you who are faithful, whoever turns back from his religion among you, perhaps God will bring in a people whom he will love and they will love him. And he said, concerning the citation of the peoples he loves, God indeed loves the turners in repentance, and he loves the purifiers. He loves the ones who put their trust in him. He loves the patient ones. He loves the thankful. He loves the givers of charity. So in order to find this site, I found that it's to a hadith where God says, God loves three. And one of the three that he loves is one who stays behind after a beggar has asked the group to give charity, but they refuse. And this one who stays behind, he gives secretly when they have all gone. And then he loves the ones of goodness. He loves the ones who fight along his ways in rows as if they were a structure set close together with no gaps. So mostly from Quran verses. Then Ibn Arabi says, it is just like the parallel construction which follows that he says for himself that he does not love a people on account of qualities which arise in them which he does not love. The purport of the address is that he loves the qualities to vanish, and they do not vanish except by means of their opposite, inevitably. Thus, he says, and God does not love pollution, and its opposite is betterment. So the abandoning of pollution is exactly betterment. And he said, God does not love the polluters. He does not love the ones who exalt ungratefully. He does not love every arrogant boaster. He does not love the oppressor. He does not love the wasteful. He does not love the ingrates. He does not love the broadcasting of bad speech. He does not love the ones overstepping boundaries. So these are the things that God loves and the ones that God does not love. The wellspring is one. Ibn Arabi has told us that the revelation tells us what God loves and does not love. The intellect, usually associated with the man, the intellect can only understand God negatively, that God is not like this, not like that. Ibn Arabi says the intellect says God's not this, not that, not this, not that. And in the end, we don't know what God is. The nafs often associated or usually associated in this, and this, uh, visual imagery associated with the nuffs has a special face to god and the nuffs the special face to god associated with the women is the one that receives revelation so when god says god laughs the nuffs can understand that god laughs and the companions used to say that we will we will not go wrong having a, a lord who laughs and then god also says god wavers and so wavering going to and fro. Uh, God says, I never waver as much as I waver when taking the soul of someone faithful who hates to die or doesn't want to die. And so wavering is a quality that God has. So these uh, descriptions, uh, reports that God gives about himself, these are ones that the nafs can understand, but the akal cannot understand. So uh, this nature-based love, let's look, stay a little bit longer with the nature-based love, loving things that are good for you, that fit your nature. And Ibn Abi, uh talks about the lovers, uh, because lovers have this spirit-based love. Um, they don't have the nature-based love. And they have a spirit-based love, which is can be unrequited, it's unconditional, uh, it takes place... Uh, in where, where we can't see and for no reason. It's not rational. And in fact, Ibn Abi quotes the poem, says, uh, no love is good, which is uh, ruled by the intellect. So if the intellect is in charge, uh, that's not the kind of love we're talking about here. So uh, Ibn Abi talks about this, uh, this account of a young man, they're sitting in a, in a, in a circle, and Dhuna is there. Uh, and someone is speaking at them. That means admonishing them, saying, you know, you're all going to go to the fire because you've done this and that. And if you're not good and if you're not patient, all these bad things will happen to you. So they're being spoken at. And the people start crying. They start saying, oh, my goodness, we're in trouble. Uh, but a young man starts laughing. And Lunalun says, what's with you, young boy? Why are The people are crying and you're laughing. So this boy speaks poetically, saying... All of them worship God fearful of the fire, and they see salvation to be an abundant allotment indeed. I have no regard to the gardens and the fire. I want no substitute for my beloved. So this is uh, echoing uh, uh, Rabia Al-Adawiya. I have no regard to the gardens and the fire. So he was asked, if he chases you away, what will you do? He replied, if I find no love connecting me to him, I desire a place to stay and settle in the fire. Just toss me in the fire there I will disturb her people with my crying among her dry bitter plants all morning and night so these are references to Quran I will be lamented in the company of idolaters I am a creature who loves my master sublime I was not at all truthful about what I claimed to really love so he repaid me for it with torment in this horrible place so right after this poem Ibn Arabi talks about he talks more than once, but this is the first time he mentions Fatima, the daughter of Ibn al-Mufanna. He says, right after this poem, I myself served on my own a woman who was one of the mystic lovers in Sevilla called Fatima, daughter of Ibn al-Mufanna of Cordova for two years. During my time of service to her, she was more than 95 years old. And I used to be shy to look at her face at this age because of the redness of her cheeks and the goodness of her joy of living and her beauty. You would think her a girl of 14 based on her joy of life and her charm. She had a hal, a situation with God. Of all who served her as I did, she liked me the most, saying, I don't see anyone like him. When he visits me, he comes with all of him, not leaving anything of him outside. And when he leaves from my place, he leaves with all of him, not leaving anything of him with me. I also heard her saying, I am amazed at someone who says he loves God, but isn't happy with him. So this is the, I am amazed people say they love God, but they don't like what God's doing. You know, they don't like what's happening. Even while he is present to him, he sees his entity in every entity, and he is not hidden from him for a blink of an eye. And these people are crying. How do they claim love of him when they are crying? They should be ashamed. Since his nearness is double the nearness of the ones most close to him, and the one who loves is the most tremendous of the people in closeness to him, so who is his vision? So over whom is he shedding tears? This is certainly something absurd. Then she asked me, my child, what do you say about what I said? I said to her, my mother, it is as you said. She said, by God, I am that I am, I am captivated. My Habib gave me the Fatiha of the book to serve me, and by God, she did not distract me from him. It was on that day when she said that, in fact, the Fatiha of the book served her, that I recognized the station of this woman. So let's look at this, what suits us and nature-based Love. Just making sure everything's good here. Yes, okay. So, this is a, a passage that I was looking at last month with uh, Omar from from Italy. is from chapter four hundred and ten. So now, when the family of the garden desires to be blessed by viewing the fire, the wall, which we read about in Surah Al-Araf ascends to them so this wall comes up to them and they plunge into the kind mercy because inside this wall there's kind mercy They look down upon the family of the fire and this is like in English they look down upon them and they But and they find a pleasure in their escape from her from the fire more than the blessing that they find in the garden So more than what they were being blessed with and enjoying in the garden is this view of the fire you see, safety coming after being afraid is a more tremendous pleasure, according to them, than safety that merely accompanies them. It probably has this image of, of a company. So if, you're, if, if safety accompanies you everywhere you go, there's not a lot to be thankful for, blessed, or you don't feel blessed because safety is always accompanying you. It's when you're lost and in trouble and everything's falling apart and then you are safe. That pleasure is the great, great pleasure. So then he says, and then the family of the fire look towards them. So this, as with Ibn Abi, we always see two perspectives. We always see both uh, sides. After the universal kind, mercy has changed their torment to sweet water. The other to other. So they find a pleasure in their being in the fire because it suits their constitution. And they praise God for not being in the garden. This is because of what their mixtures, their constitutions necessitate for this situation. If they were to enter the garden with that mixture, they would feel pain and she would hurt them. So when you understand this, blessed goodness is nothing but the opposite, the malain, which is like a medicine which is appropriate and beneficial to you, but without talking about whether it tastes good or not. And torment is nothing but the non-opposite, whatever that may be. So be just how you are. If only what is opposite for you falls on you, then you are truly blessed. And when what is not opposite for your mixture falls on you, then you are in torment. So these points are coming at us. These points are clothed in colors and variegations and names and adjectives and verbs. The points themselves are not good or bad. They're triangles or squares. If you like squares, then you like squares. That doesn't mean that squares are good and triangles are bad and to conclude with this, to, to sum it up, he says, home places are loved by their families, and for the family of the fire, the ones who are her family, she is their home place. Based on her they were created, and to her they return. And for the family of the garden, the ones who are her family, based on her they were created, and to her they return. So even something as we would think as different as the garden and the fire, which Ibn Arabi keeps reminding us are the two sisters, Jannat and Jahannam. these two sisters. Uh, If you are the family of one, then that's your home place, and that's the place that you love to be. So what matches you is what you say is good. Things themselves are not good and bad. It's a question of what matches us. So we had that verse earlier, he loves the ones who fight along his way in rows as if they were a structure set close together with no gaps. So here, Ibn Abi talks about this, and again, in the chapter of love, he talks about if you have lines, which are one dimension, line, 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 close together, set close together, these lines create a plane. So one dimension goes into two dimensions. And planes, if you take planes, and set them close together with no gaps these planes create a volume so from two dimensions to three dimensions and then the volumes when set close together put together with no gaps they create a hypersphere or hypervolume, a four-dimensional entity so he talks about this and he says so it doesn't matter here whether something is for good or bad. If this is a situation where there is all these elements are integrated and going working together, they will be effective. And uh, if you think about the protest marches right now, uh, the, the marchers are trying to be set close together with no gaps. But then so are the police or the riot control or the armies. They're also set together and trying to have no gaps. So it's, it's not as if it's the, the technique of only one of the groups. It's the, it's a technique that can be used by anyone. Ibn Arabi says this is a technique that it's used by anyone. But if it's used by us, it's what we are called to do, so that we can then be strong and integrated, and so that a sabil, a way of God, can take place. So this is lining ourselves up together, uh, putting ourselves together with no gaps, uh, feeding the poor. By an Alangar, where we, all the groups get together, work together to create a situation where food can go to the hungry, because we remember that God says, I was hungry and you fed me not. I was thirsty and you didn't bring me water. I was sick and you didn't visit me. So a sabil of Allah, a way of God, is to feed, to bring water, and to visit the sick. So these uh, are to enter into a sabil of Allah, the way of, of God. And again, so while the technique is a universal technique, it works for whatever the group's uh, desire is, whether it's for good or for bad. Uh, In the same way, these techniques are all ones which are not something that we are told by revelation. So Ibn Arabi uses the example when the Prophet saw some date plants and date palms, and he says, why don't you do this and that for the date palms? And when he came later, the date palms were not flourishing. They were not doing well. And so he said, why are the date palms doing so poorly? And they said, well, you told us to do this. And he said, that was my suggestion. When it comes to the matters of the world, whatever I say is only a suggestion because you know your world better than I do. So that means that we here, in our world, we know what works better than... uh, prophets and so on. We So we are the ones, the wisdom for what to do in these situations of injustice is something that resides in the community. We know better about our world. And so what that means uh, is that the group, the, the community knows, and in Islam, we call that shura, which is the consultation. So a group of people get together, they sit down, they talk, they listen, and after a long while, uh, the the solution comes forth and this is a solution that it was no one's idea in the beginning it just they came to the solution in the end and of course this is famous in uh, Quaker circles it's famous uh, with First Nations Indigenous people all have this way of sitting talking listening and then the answer the solution comes up Uh, it's also very much seen as a, as the elderly feminine or, or the elder the women elders uh, do this they they sit together and they come up with the best solution, and what's interesting if you think about it uh, another any other style of authority like a very top down authority, so let's say you have you have one or you have three psychopaths and twenty uh, regular people. And so they're all sitting down, and if they're consulting mutually, listening and talking, those three guys are not going to get their way because the majority, the group, is going to say, this is what we're going to do. But if there's a top-down, single-person dictatorship, then that psychopath can be on the top, and then he gets what he wants. So it's very interesting that one of the ways to avoid uh, the, the mistakes of the individual who who could have whatever motives is to have the community have the authority and so community authority in islam is called shura if among the quakers you know in the quaker meetings in the first nations uh, people know how to have the authority in the community so we're looking also at that this idea and this had, I, the pieces hadn't come together for me quite yet until uh, after the, the session. Uh, there were so many wonderful discussions that uh, really helped me put things together. But let's look at this key hadith down here. My love is incumbent on me by me for the ones who love each other for me and the ones who visit each other for me and the ones who sit conversing with each other for me. And the ones who give abundantly to each other for me. Okay. So let's have a look at how this works. And let me quickly make sure everything is going. Yes. Okay. Okay. So... Let's look at fighting injustice for our sake, fighting injustice for God's sake. One of the, the things that arises is that when we do something for our sake uh, and we get thwarted or there's an obstacle or there are setbacks, and inevitably in any activist protest or, or action, there's going to be setbacks. When that happens and we're doing it for ourselves, we often lose our energy. We are depleted, we're depressed, we're deflated. Uh, We lose our, we're discouraged, we're disheartened. And so, one of the interesting things is that when we do something for God's sake, uh, that situation doesn't happen. And this is one of the pieces I hadn't quite tied together, but uh, after discussions uh, from wonderful uh, friends giving me ideas here, and showing me how these things are tied together, We talked a long time ago about the fractal phase space. And a fractal phase space is very interesting. When you have a regular phase space, you could say that there's a world line or things happen along this line. And then things that are over here, which are really big and very close, those have the most effect. So, and that's kind of the world that we see, we are conventionally understanding to be. So before we understand the world as points, and that there's a refresh rate, that these points are being on and off all the time, therefore there's a new creation every moment. Before we understand that, we think that big things have the most effect and things that are close to us have the most effect. But a fractal phase space has a situation where a tiny thing, very far removed, may be the answer, may have all the effect in the world. And this is the story of the widow's mite, the penny that she gives, we don't know what value it has until we see it in the other world or then it has this huge value but it doesn't look like it's going to have value because it's just a small thing and someone's prayer from very very far away the same the fact that they're very very far away doesn't uh do anything to its power and its effectiveness So that's a a fractal phase space. And we talked about that as the thinning of the veil, the thinning of the membrane. When you're feeding the poor, visiting the sick and doing all these things, you are beginning to enter into a world where these tiny things, a small sadaqah, a small charity, a good word, a smile, a good encouragement can have huge effects. And it doesn't matter. And it might have an effect next year not even tomorrow and so these kinds of things happen when we're in that kind of realm and this is the realm of love because what happens is that when you love someone you begin to take on the way the beloved sees the world so if your beloved Ibn obvious example will be the noonday heat if the beloved loves the noonday heat and you yourself your nature doesn't you don't like heat then when you have a weather report saying it's going to be a warm day, you're very happy because your beloved is going to be happy. And Ibn Arabi says you take on the, the likes and dislikes, the personality, the character, the characteristics, the adjectives of the beloved so much so that you hardly have your own. You don't have, you, you, we don't know whether you like heat or cold because you just are so happy with the heat because your beloved loves the heat. So Ibn Abi talks about this as the the alchemy of love, that something is transformative. That you begin to see the beloved so much, you can't see your own personality. And Ibn Abi does poems that are like, I am the one that I love, and the one that I love is I. And he says, I am my darling boy, I am my beautiful girl. So that the darling boy, the beloved, you see that so much that you become the darling boy. And the beautiful girl, you see, and she's so beloved that you become the little girl, the beautiful girl. So he says here and learn that no love that does not rule over its possessor in the place of his being deaf to everything audible except hearing the word of his beloved and blind to every face except the face of his beloved, and mute to every speech except discussing his beloved, and speaking only what his beloved loves to hear, and sealing over his heart so nothing enters the heart except the love of his beloved, throwing his latch over the treasure chest of his imagination to make only the images of his beloved, either based on a preceding vision or from a description of his being initiated in the imagination as an image, dot, 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 is this kind of love. So it is as was said, your imagined or imaged image is in my eye, and your dhikr is in my mouth, and your abode is in my heart, so how could you be absent? By him you hear, and for him you hear, and by him you see, and for him you see, and by him you speak, and for him you speak. In Me, the Magical fa- Faculty, he then talks about how a, his love became an embodied form that was, could stu- stand bef- be- before him. So he's saying that in this alchemy of love, that that we are transformed by having this beloved. And so we are doing things because our beloved loves it. When our beloved loves the patient and the thankful and the grateful, then we love the patient, the thankful, and the grateful. Not because it makes our natural life, our nature life, better, uh, but because it... Our beloved loves it. And then we do not love the oppressor and the polluters and the wasters and the wasteful because our beloved does not love them. So when we are active and activists and demonstrating and marching, we're doing it not because it makes the world better for me or I like it more, but it's because it's my beloved wants to see justice and wants to have injustice vanish. And the way you make justice appear the injustice disappear, is to put justice on it, and then the injustice vanishes. So train your heart muscle and learn that God is thankful, all-knowing. You see, immediately following his description of himself as being thankful is the description of his being all-knowing. And it is his word, my love is incumbent on me, by me for the ones who love each other for me, and the ones who visit each other for me, and the ones who sit conversing with each other for me, and the ones who give abundantly to each other for me. May God make us one of those he blesses, so we may see the blessing of God in every moment, so give thanks, so that we should see each particle coming towards us as one that is potentially a blessed moment, and so, We begin to see the humanity in everyone, we begin to see uh, the goodness in all creation, and we begin to see the world the way our beloved sees, and that is loving the patient, loving the thankful, loving the grateful, and not loving the oppressors and the polluters and the wasteful. And so to take up uh, our beloved's perspective is the one that, brings us to the Sabil of Allah, the way of God, brings us along the way of God. So this is, of course, a big, has historically been a big Sufi question about what do we do with bad things? um, uh, We know everything is coming from God, and so when something bad happens, how do we respond to it? So Ibn Arabi says, the way to respond to it is you can be well-pleased with your fate. So if something bad happens to you, you can be well-pleased with your fate, that is that God decided that this would happen, and I am well pleased with God's decision, without liking or being pleased with what happened, without liking the thing that happened. And so, the same way with the noonday uh, heat, you can be well pleased with the noonday heat because God or your beloved loves the noonday heat, without yourself loving the noonday heat. So here we have what what the this love relationship that when we look at our beloved and then we see that our beloved gets hurt. So Ibn Arabi says, learn, may God give you success, that God says in the Quran, the ones who hurt God and his messenger, the ones who hurt God and his messenger. Thus he reported that he gets hurt. God gets hurt. Therefore, he gives himself the name Sabur, the most intensely patient, patient with any hurt coming from his creation. So all this hurt is coming to God from the creation. And he is sabur, most patient in enduring this hurt. So we ask that hurt be removed from us. And so the same way God asks that hurt be removed from him. So when we are afflicted with trials, like Job is, we say, take away this 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 affliction. And when God is hurt by his creation, he tells us, Take away this affliction. And he doesn't look to anyone else to take it away. And we do not look to anyone else. So that's why Job is praised, not because he held up and endured everything. No, he complained. But he complained to God only. He didn't complain to others. And he didn't try to find other gods or other people who could solve his problems. He went straight to God. And in the same way, God goes straight to us, saying, remove this from me remove this hurt from me remove this this hurt from wasteful people from oppressive people from people overstepping the bounds remove it from me by making it vanish so then i then says i have explained to you that god seeks from his creatures a removal of the hurt which is hurting him despite his ability to have not created in them what he created that is the hurt so God could have not created this hurt in them. And this goes back to the first uh, session that we had when Ibn Arabi is walking along the shore and he comes across one of the Abdal, one of the alternates. And he says, uh, and he just after they say salam to each other, he immediately cuts in and says, you know, we have such an oppressive tyrant in this land. And the substitute, the alternate, this great figure says to him, no more, don't speak like that who are you to get between god and his creation so what this is that the that this creation is here is not the way that i want it to be because it's not made for me it's made for god it's made for for things to happen that god wants to see happen and so it's not for me uh, and this was the counsel from the the ultimate it's not for me to interject myself to put myself in between God and his creation and so this it, it's so we then ask because Ibn Arabi is trying to say that we need to leave room for that. the creation is exactly the way it's supposed to be and so there the oppression and the pollution and all that all the way back in Sutla Bakara Baqarah, 230, uh, I am creating someone who I will act behind in the earth, a khalifa. And the angel says, are you making one in her who's going to pollute her and spill blood? And God says, I know something you don't know. And the right after that is Adam is taught all the names. So all the divine names, this is the key, that the word for the divine names being idled, that is having nothing to do, being unemployed. Uh, is the same word for when a, row, a bow is unstrung. So a bow that is unstrung, if not, is idle. It's unemployed. It's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. So all the names have to be active. And this antagonism, these contradictions, these opposites, these polarities, that's, that's what the universe is all about right from the throne, we have the throne of all compassion, Ar-Rahman, and then the footstool is the dividing up into two. And the moment things are divided up into two, everything that comes out afterwards will be mixed. A portion will be divine, a portion will be creation. There will be nothing which is holy creation, because we can't create anything ourselves by ourselves. And there will be nothing that's wholly divine, that doesn't have a bit of us in it. So something will be 80% divine, 20% creation, or 70% creation, 30% uh, divine. Everything will be mixed. So because there's this mixture, because there's oppression, wastefulness, uh, uh, overstepping of boundary, all these things that God does not love, because they are there, they're there because of divine names and for other reasons. But it's our job as the ones who love God to remove them and remove the hurt from God. So Rabbi says, so come to an understanding of a mystery of this patience, because it is one of the most beautiful mysteries. It has been recorded that there is no one more patient with hurt than God. So I encourage you to sit with this uh, last sentence, last two sentences. Uh, There's so much in here. This mystery is something, there are many, many mysteries in here, uh, and they are, really amazing and you can see why they can't just be spoken of you can't be written in prose but you can get a taste for what's really going on here so this hurt that god has from creation is to be removed by us because we are removing it from our beloved and so we had a question well is it god transcendent or god immanent? Um, and is it the lower self or my higher self? Which is the self that I am when I'm conversing with uh, each other? And if you are a lover of God, then when you visit someone, you're visiting because your beloved loves you to visit. And if you are your beloved is God, you are sitting and conversing with each other because your beloved loves it. And you can say, I'm doing this and I love to do it, but you love to do it because your beloved loves to do it. And that's this alchemy of love that you no longer can see who's who and who is who. (laughs) And so we have all of that happening. So sit with this uh, beautiful mystery. There's no one more patient with her than God. And why is that? And how is that? And then what is our job? So alhamdulillah, thank you
1: i mean to say when we go to the uh, god and uh, pray to him uh, means the doa and uh, for revealing or for relief our hurt then how can i uh, uh, equate uh, then uh, uh, such thing may i uh, could i okay. give the message of my uh, yeah,
0: Right. right. Yeah, well, yeah thank you yeah well thank see that we're looking at in a sense we're looking at two yeah. different directions uh, so what Ibn Arabi is having us look in this particular direction is to say um, that. Uh, oh yes, so Mustafa just said no one, no one could record. Oh no, okay. Well, this has been like the the, Man, the Mandela, the, the Mandela that gets uh, scattered in the wind. So uh, we'll have to do this one again. Um, Ibn Arabi is saying it. Like, look, when we look around and we see these uh, oppressions and these uh, and arrogance and and overstepping of boundaries, and spoiling, and polluting, and oppression, all of these things, when we see that, there is, we can look at it as how it affects us, or me, and then that is, that becomes a sort of natural, or nature-based situation, so I say this oppression, and this pollution is affecting me, and I don't like it, um, even i would saying that what's interesting is that for, for the lovers, the ones who love God, uh, they see what the beloved sees. And so when they see oppression, they say, oh, this is something that God does not love, that God wants removed. And so they look at the oppression and saying, this is something that God wants removed, and therefore... And I want to remove it, not because it will make my life better, but because it is for God and it is a hurt to God. And so it needs to be removed. And so when we are in the, when we're in the first position, when we see it only as what's happening to me, then if there's a setback and I can't remove some oppression, then that one is deflating and depressing. But if I see it as, as God being hurt, by this and not loving this oppression then i as the lover want to remove that hurt from the beloved and at that moment there everything else is possible everything changes and so my energy my himma the energy changes uh, all of the things that i that my capacity, all of that changes. So this is why Ibn Arabi is saying. We look at this from the perspective of love and spirit-based love, divine love, because I'm doing this for the sake of another. And Ibn Arabi says that what's so interesting is that when you do something for the sake of another, uh, all sorts of uh, wonderful things happen. So this is uh, when Hajar is, is... for the sake of her child, racing back between Safa and Marwa, looking for water, and she gets Zamzam. And so, by helping and running for the needs of someone else, she gets the Zamzam comes, which to this day is providing water. And the other example that Narbi gives us is Musa Moses. Uh, he's looking for fire for his family. For the tribe, and as he's out there, he sees the burning bush. He goes to the burning bush in order to help someone else, and then he is he meets God and is given Torah. So this is the the idea that looking out and helping someone else uh, is the is the the better. The way, to, the way to be. And the best way then is to ah. look out for the hurt that God has and then to address and fight injustice, oppression, because it is hurting your beloved. And so you're looking out for the needs of someone else.
1: Thank you. Thank you, much.
2: Okay. Thank you. Uh, I, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, <laughs>
0: Thank you. <Shekha. laughs>
2: Alhamdulillah. Maybe really may Allah spread this through every heart, and particularly as it wasn't recorded in on on the computer, but uh, may it be etched in, in in the tablets of our hearts. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> this is amazing because also it solves so much the problems uh, that we face. You know, maybe humanity has always faced, and I don't know. Maybe it feels like contemporary humanity faces mm-hmm. in these questions of social action, how you take social action, you know, mm-hmm. and there's an understanding sometimes, maybe a, a, um, a you know, a, a misunderstanding. And that's a very subtle point. are, are the Sufis or the mystics, people who sit back, Uh, and pray, or are they people also who engage actively with the actions of other people in the world such as joining a march or a protest as we see. So um, what you know, I'm saying already on the inner level that question of for God's sake, then we 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 do this for Allah's sake Mm -hmm. because Allah doesn't like this. How beautiful. And then comes the question, well, what actions do we take to dismantle what Allah does not like in the world? So um, can you say anything more about that? Let's say, I mean, that's a personal question for me. You know, is it um, through prayer, intense prayer, through asking or also going out and involving yourself directly in physical action, so one can say it's both, but what, what, what would you say from your knowledge of the Master?
0: This, I, yeah, I think with, with Ibn Arabi, the, the, this, you look at Haja and you look at Musa, Moses going to the burning bush, uh, and it's, it's the, the pressure of needing to help someone, the pressure of needing to help the beloved, whether it's the child, the family, or God. And yeah. so that pressure is what drives us to do whatever we need to do. And whatever we need to do... Is uh, something that we know better in a sense. So mm-hmm. it's not something that we'll get from revelation. Uh-huh. We will know better uh, how our world works. Mm-hmm. So, so if so, if someone tell, so if the prophet tells me that I know better my world than he does, then I have to say, well, then I need to learn what is the effective method now. And that effective method will only come through consultation and circles and communities. So the communities will come up and they'll be able to say, we need people praying and we need people marching and we need people doing this and we need people doing that. And the community will have the wisdom that uh, that is needed. And so it won't come sort of like a direct pipeline to me saying, do this. It'll be what is the community seeing as necessary and is most effective right now to relieve uh, the hurt that God feels for the oppressors and he does not love the oppressors and he loves the patient. And so how can we move into that, that realm. So I, so I think the wisdom of the community comes here and uh, and it's and the, we always check ourselves. I'm looking for helping the other and it's not for myself because if it's for myself and it and it and it doesn't work, then I give up and it's it's worse than if i hadn't done anything, so it has to be the pressing need has to be for the for service for the other
2: mm-hmm. um may may I also um say that w- what um I see is that the 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 one who is in, in a tarika or a, a mystic path um has the actions seem to i mean Exterior actions seem to be uh, reduced or essentialized, so that maybe one act can have a, a larger effect than going out and doing excessive, you know, physical actions. But you know, I don't want to delude myself, and that's why you know I'm kind of asking you. And you're, I appreciate your answer and saying. Um, yes, that essentially we know best, and our conscience will tell us and guide us, and and also, of course, uh, because we are part of a community in a sense that consultation is happens when we also consult physically with each other, but also it's a continuous process that we're recycling, we're, we're getting information from each other's hearts and each of us going um, and acting upon that direct knowledge we receive from each other all the time. Do you think that's?
0: Alhamdulillah, yeah, that, that's wonderful. And, and the, what we did with that, the idea of super determinism last time about how everything is connected, the butterfly's wings and the storm that takes place a year later, that kind of geometry tells us, a fractal geometry tells us that the size of something and its proximity to something doesn't tell us what the effect is going to be. Yeah. So things can have tremendous effect, even though they're far away, and they can have tremendous effect even if they're tiny. And this is what we have, the widow's mite. You know, that we, the widow puts the penny in there and no one knows the value of that penny. Um, no one knows when I say something good to someone, I have no idea that one year later, the person will say that one thing you said, just changed my life and gave me strength because all these bad things happened to me and that kept me going, something like that. So it'll be the tiny thing, no matter how far away. And that's the other thing about prayer. We don't all have, If we can be very far apart as we are now. And the, the effectiveness is not based on proximity and not based on size. So the outside external world doesn't tell me how much, Uh, Something has done and I can't say well if I double my efforts will I get double the results and that's not the case but if I do what is exactly right and that is That special face when the special face says this is what is exactly right and I do that Then that's the one that has the effect Uh,
1: Sure Even if someone said I want a better word for myself first of all that person know that alone It will not be a better world. But don't you think that that notion comes also from an inner knowing, maybe unconscious, that Allah has put in us? There is a possibility of a better world. And maybe that person comes from an ego, comes from pain, saying, you know, complaining. But really, within each of us, we have that knowing that. Allah put in us that we are all brothers and sisters. So it may appear that that person wants a better world for this reason, that reason, but really truly for me, I feel that even that comes from Allah uh, desire for that person to desire something better. Otherwise, are you really meaning that until everyone is aware or willing to make change, For Allah, nothing is going to change. That the only way things in our society are going to change is when everyone is aware or wanting to change things for Allah's sake. There are many ways of loving Allah, and one is humanity. And, you know, uh, a lot of people who are not connected to a spiritual path, quote unquote, Incredibly connected for the sake of others. Uh, They may not be aware they're doing it for Allah, but they do recognize that there is one part of humanity and they will engage in activism. So we may appear this, my ego, I want things better. Of course, we all want things better. That to me comes from Allah's desire for us to want that better. I don't know. It's well, it's a question I have.
0: Well, that not because you're going back to the true self. And of course, the true self does what the beloved wants. And, and the true self wants what the beloved wants, what God wants. And so when you're looking from the true self perspective, then that certainly is the case. Uh, this uh, being able to distinguish between the two is for those people who are who, have, who are aware of that that there could be these two options um and so as you say there are certain people who will who you know they instinctively do something they will they will as a mother instinctively do what's what's necessary for the child as haja did and that is the uh that doing something for the sake of the other and that is this very magical m- wondrous place um, and and then what Ibn Arabi is doing for us is those people who are looking at the questions of patience and injustice and oppression, and he's looking at those people in, who are aware that we can, we, need to look, we can look at this as, am I doing it for my lower self or myself, or am I doing it for God? And so for those people who are, once they've reached this position, it's very, it's very helpful for them to say, if I can distinguish between myself and doing for God, this will help me explain where my energy comes from. And whether setback says I give up or whether setback says, um, mashallah, as God wills, I'll do something different. I'll do something else.
3: So, hmm. I, uh, I have a, a, a question. Something. Um, there, was, there were two... Two two aspects to, to doing things for the love of God that, that, that came out. One at the beginning where you said loving the conversation, loving to meet somebody, not because I want to, but because God loves me to do so.
4: Mm. Uh,
3: the other aspect we're saying that uh, relieving the pain from God, doing things in order to make it easier for God, etc. So we're looking at god as the other transcendent and we're looking at god as the eminent uh i mean do we need to look at it in these two ways i mean is it not that that yes uh, i love the conversation i love to meet my friends i love to go and eat in all its physicality but because i recognize god in every element so 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 do we need to separate it, say, because God loves me to do so? Isn't it enough to see it in the imminent and recognize who is actually experiencing everything, including myself, who's behind the veil?
0: Yeah, yeah, That that's what we talked about a few days ago, I think, and what, what comes up here is that when we, what got, what, you know, is God transcendent or immanent or something different? And for Ibn Arabi, when, it, when we're looking at love, what happens with love is that you, in a sense, become the beloved. And so, if I, if the beloved loves noonday heat, then I become loving of noonday heat, not for some limited self, but for for my beloved's self. And so, in a sense, and so, if every time, every everything that happens to my beloved is also seen by me. So I say, oh it's hot and my beloved likes that. Oh, it's this way and he likes that and it's this way and he likes that. If I'm in this situation at some point I've kind of vanished. There's no more who I am because I my likes and dislikes don't play into the equation. It's all what my beloved likes and and this is why Ibn Abi has his poems about um, I am I am the one I love and the one I love is I and and Farida sings about uh, I am love, and I love love, and, and then Baki cries when she hears these things. And, um, and, the, uh, and then I am, I am my darling boy, I am my beautiful little girl. So it's, it's that you become the beloved. And so in that sense, when I am now, if I have become my beloved, and I sit down and visit, and sit down and converse, you know is it it's there's no longer any self that i do it or don't like it or like it or don't like it it's the beloved loves me sitting in this place and i'm we're conversing and this is this is all i see is that the beloved loves this so it kind of erases the I mean, its transcendence problem by just saying there's no me anyway it's god loves to be me to be in this situation <laughs> yeah. Mr. Winkle, I have,
5: a, I have a question yes about, uh, Um, first of all um, thank you very much for this wonderful uh, talk, it's the first time I joined the group and and it's a real pleasure to be here and uh, I wanted to add something in regards to what uh, the other uh, persons have mentioned and is perhaps I'm just trying to recall an example of someone who stood up in this, in a kind of a trial in which uh, he, he stood up in between what you can call contemplation and action, you know, the, the, the Emir uh, Abdelkader Gilani. Uh, I think uh, perhaps we can understand this uh, idea of uh, doing th- things for the good of the people, but also not just for the good of the people, for for, for the fact that because this is what it has to be done regardless of the outcome. No, this is like an answering to the call of Allah in the sense that it's abandonment, you know, to abandon yourself. So in, in, in by no means to wait for any expectations on the actions that you do, but if you're going to do them, you're going to have to be, be aware that uh, you're going to have to respond for them. And also that uh, if there is no uh, spiritual realizations, uh, no matter how good these intentions are, uh, the actions might not be done uh, in the answer to the will of Allah. So it's it, because everything is, in reality, everything is a trial for Nala, whether it looks as if it's a terrible situation, but the outcome of the action might be different. So I'm recalling the, the figure of the emir because the emir experienced a, a, a decisive struggle, not only against the colonial power, but more so, and you were mentioning about uh, how, uh, you know, uh, in, a, in a tribe or an environment in which there's a communal congregation, uh, you know, the opinion of everybody it's important. But it's true, but it's also important the, the inspiration. You know? in certain people, this calling from God is so, so strong that it's able to inspire other people. You know? And as he inspires his own followers not to commit the same act of revenge for instance against the the, the colonial powers as the French at that time and I think this speaks of uh, of Tawakku in in the perhaps in the Sufi in the authentic Sufi sense I'm not sure if I'm making myself clear this uh, but I just wanted to add that uh, perhaps yeah. this, this can help us uh, to understand the...
0: yes yes thank you yeah those are wonderful examples yeah I think I think I first began learning about these things when I was sort of a mother to a baby and uh, and also helping someone who is sick, uh, that that their need comes up and you just answer it. And you don't ask whether I want to or not. You, know, I never, you never say, do you want to change a diaper or not? It's, it's just, here's the need, And you do it. And so learning that, you know, and and that's why I guess uh, often it's known by by mothers and people who help the sick, they're they're the first to learn this. And I had to learn that one, you know, in, in my time, that that the need comes up and you answer the need. And so you have all the energy in the world because it's not me who likes or doesn't like changing dirty diapers. You know, so it's not me and it's not for me. And so I don't even ask, do I want to do this or I don't want to do this? It's just there's a need and there's an answer and so uh and this is how people are you know with someone who's sick they say but doesn't doesn't that bother you that they're sick or they're they're mean to you that they have dementia or this or that mean you um that one iranian film the the, the man says uh the, the woman says it, it, your father doesn't even know it's you and yet you're so loving and good to him and he says my father doesn't know it's me but i know it's my father so that i know it's my father takes away any kind of, it's easy for me, it's hard for me, it's just, this is what's going to be done. So, yeah, that's a beautiful way of looking at it. Thank you, Armando.
4: Yeah. Okay. I can I just ask, about, hello, Eric, thank you very much. Okay. Um, I want to ask about timing. Timing seems to be part of this because it's like when the need arises, then yeah. the action is immediate.
0: Right,
4: but right. But also the thing of until, so just my servant does not approach me with, with good works until I love him. He, he does, and then, and then he says, and then with with, um, uh, with the case of Joe, he in a way suffers, and then until the moment when he asks, and then it's relieved from him. So there seems to be a, something to do with this, 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 and it may be something to do with you. Also talked about the Hakim, you know the actual the portioning and the moment at which these actions uh, are for him. They're, they're his action and he, there's a moment for this. And perhaps you could say something about that.
3: No, yeah, that,
0: that's beautiful. I think I think you're getting. This is all coming. Uh, Richard is uh, a scholar of the Fusus, and, I, and I'm sure the Fusus is the one that has so much of this. Uh, what, what Job's is. This moment, this, and then kairos in Greek, I guess, kairos, the, the right moment. Um, and, and then we, the wakt, the W A Q T, wakt. Uh, the wakt is that right moment. And then to be a child of the moment, to be the Sufi is the child of the moment, is to know what's happening when. And then, place, uh, you know, that the Hakim is the one who knows what goes in the right place at the right time. And so again, what Ibn Abi keeps teaching us, it's not the object itself that has a goodness or a badness or a rightness or a wrongness. It's that object in the right place at the right time is good. That same object in the wrong place at the wrong time is is bad. And so this is helping us particleize or, or get down to the level of the Ayn Wachta, the single entity. And so to be able to release that and say... It's not the thing itself, not the fire or the garden. It's not the square. It's not the triangle. It's not this person. It's not that person. But it's what is happening at that moment. That's the, the determinant. So, and that's, and that's from Hakim, and and then that's and that's the lesson that Job gives us. So, thank you, Richard. Beautiful. Uh, thank well, you.
6: Um,
3: Hello.
0: Yeah.
3: Oh, cool? Um. Yeah. Like, so.
5: Assalamualaikum, uh, Doctor Eric. Assalamualaikum. From Malaysia. From Malaysia. <laughs> <Alhamdulillah>. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, my question is about uh, another form of patient, which is fasting, and uh, uh, when one is restraining self uh, by fasting, how does it, how does it work with like the same self is raising a complaint to Allah, and you know how, how does it relate? I uh, need uh, uh, to herself. see how 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 does it connect. Uh, one time you are restraining yourself, another time you are raising a complaint.
0: Yeah, well, well for, for Ibn Arabi, the, the fast is mine. The, the, uh, Ibn Abi says that God says the fast is mine and there's nothing like the fast. So there's nothing like the fast. Is There's nothing like God. And so when we are fasting, it's nothing it's nothing positive or something that is. It's nothing meaningful. It's God's position. So when we fast, we are taking on God's position and not our own position. And so, so there's not, I am not restraining myself. There is a restraint because the fast belongs to God. So he says, so he says fasting is uh, an abstaining and a rising. And so it rises it and it raises it above me to the divine. And so the the one who fasts begins to see that the fat it's not me, it's God who is this way. And then God as this way loves these things and doesn't love these things. And so the fasting is then the way that we can move away from I'm doing this for myself into I'm doing this for the right, the real, the true for God. So the Thank you. Alhamdulillah.
1: Shuaib Abdul Haq's been trying to break
6: in.
0: Oh, okay. Please break it. There he is. There he is. Um, uh,
6: thank you, Hamida. Um, I have a little trouble saying, raising my hand or whatever quickly enough. Uh, but uh, that's not what I want to say. I want to say that there's this wonderful opportunity in our community to be the sort of community that uh, you were talking about earlier. Uh, because in a community, then all of these views and realizations and the consensus of forming what is right action in terms of uh, protest and not doing it for self, giving up our privilege so that we do it uh, in the name of Allah, that we do it in the name of uh, <clears throat> uh, betterment for all the particles miraculously appearing in this world in their overwhelming complexity and uh, uh, beauty uh, that we have that Uh, opportunity as an active community to consider that question and how we answer it. Because it's not just racial. It's just not coronavirus. It's uh, climate. It's environmental. It is timing. It is a right action. It is speaking to uh, the God in all of us uh, so that uh, we uh, touch that inner spirit of those that are viewed as the oppressor and uh, uh, create that possibility of change.
0: Right. Uh, I mean, this is, the Ibn Arabi talks about when when the Prophet would would stand on the minbar on Friday the Friday prayers and give the curses against the three people who organized and assassinated seventy of the Ansar who had memorized the Quran. And uh, so he would he would curse them, and so at that uh, at one of those Friday prayers, uh, Gabriel came and said here 's your revelation, and the revelation is, "I sent you only to be a mercy, a kind mercy to the worlds, so I sent you only to be a kind mercy to the world and he expands and he says that is not to curse and and then and he expands into so when god God tells him then tells the Prophet that if you curse them, then when they come to me, they come holding that curse. But if you are merciful to them, they come to me neutral, and I'm allowed to do what I want to do with them. And if they turn to me after, because you have not cursed them, and they actually turn to me, then they will turn to me and be good, and you will be happy. You will delight because they've turned. So to judge someone negatively is to put them in the shackles. And then God himself is saying, now there's nothing really you know, you you left me in a bad position because you've predetermined what what my response should be. But if you are merciful to them, good to them, then they may turn, and then uh, everything is different, and you will then be delighted that they turned. So this is the very difficult uh, position of of seeing humanity in, in everyone, and uh, and of uh, you were active in Berkeley in the '60s and all of that. And this is this is the the wisdom of what what do you learn from if if I see them only as negative then uh, then they're locked into that position. But if somehow I can see humanity then there's a possibility for the change to take place. And so Ibn Arabi expands on that I sent you only to be a mercy to the world. He expands that to say so therefore the Nur Muhammad that is merciful to all, everyone from the from Adam to the last person born, so that Everyone has the chance to be turned to good.
6: One very quick uh, comment would be, uh, does uh, Ibn Arabi uh, somehow expand uh, beyond that human realm to consider all of nature's niches, uh, all the interrelationships, because in a way I feel That's what we're challenged to do, to go beyond just the human uh, awareness and uh, come to something more complete.
0: Yeah, yeah, and because he looks at that, we I think we looked at a few weeks ago that that all all of, all beings have their own communities and their own prophets, and they all have their own taklif, their own tasks that they have to do, and they all are going to be held accountable. And then he tells us about this very strange situation that the that the angels have antagonisms, that they have fights, and they are fighting and doing these different things. And so, uh, in a sense, he's saying that all the universe, the moment that that earth and fire uh, come into four, hot, wet, cold, and dry, and, and all these things happen, the moment that happens, you have, you have antagonism, you have polarity. And so the question isn't how can we get rid of polarity, like how can, right, how can we just get everyone to be nice to each other, or all the animals nice to each other, all the plants nice to each other. The answer, the question is, with antagonisms and opposites and contraries and contradictions, um, how do we, what do we do with them? How do we live with them? Not try to eliminate them. So that again, if we lock them down, and say I don't like fire, well then that's one of the four elements, then now there's a problem because that means that anytime there's a mixture with fire in it that I won't like it, then that's, I'm not going to get very far. So to, un, to loosen, to see that all of these things are the single wellspring with different properties, and that these properties can change and they do change moment to moment, It gives us a completely different world. So, alhamdulillah. Thank you. thank you. Okay.
4: Just had a question. I oh, think yeah. Thank you very much, uh sure. I was just wondering um, if we think about the shadow play and the sort of rays that come through the um the membrane into this world. Um and is there a, a reciprocal of the good deeds that we do in this world um, that we have a, an inner light, but is there a, something that, that is a reciprocal that the, the light... Do we have any light that can kind of bounce back through the membrane and have an effect that, that is in relationship to this hurt? Or is it in the afterlife that we have an effect that may uh, stop the hurt?
0: Well, the the effects that we do you know the two girls walking across the bridge They're the bridge of life when they get to the other side they will see the universe that they created when they were by their actions Um, but they but that world also reverberates or has a has a, a vibration back in time as well so things go through the arrow of time forward but they also go backwards so good things that have been that that were done also come back and, and influence the past and so it's, it's not a direct, it's not a directional thing so and this is why dreams don't have past presents, and futures and they start in the middle of things but also dreams are the way to see what is being built over there and then that affects you when you wake up you can take that with you you can take what has been built and can affect you here and then dreams are also the nightmares and things like that are also dreams that tell us that something has been built over there which needs to be covered up and covered and and to be forgiven so covered up and forgiven and so those are how we interact with this world that we're building over there. It's not a fixed world because it can, there are things that can be forgiven, and then there are things that can also reverberate back to us and give us something now. So the moment we leave the arrow of time, we realize that the world that is over there is affecting us here as well. And, then, and many of the animals then see that. That already, as they in their waking state. So that's why the cat uh, in the in the one story comes up to the person and knows that this person is a great soul. So these are things that the cat can see beyond the curtain and see what that great soul had been making. Even though to me or to you, it might my person looks just like anyone else. So, and I think. Uh, Without the Mustafa suggested that I that I go ahead and later on today uh, go through these slides one more time and just on my own and I'll just but I'll do a screenshot so I can see all you beautiful faces and then I can have my screenshot up here and then I can do the it again inshallah. That, will Mustafa will that be okay? <laughs> okay, good. Alhamdulillah. Alright, so had to, okay. So yeah, it's getting late. Thank you for for being here. It's wonderful to see everyone so much. Beautiful. Thank you.